Hey everyone, this is Rosalina. And this is Shauna. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but our journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. So I had my fifth infusion today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How are you feeling? Good. Um, You know, tired. It, it's always the night before I'm going to have an infusion is when I don't get enough sleep. I think that makes sense. Because I had like a total, I would panic before. Yeah. Uh, I don't panic these days now since I'm on Taxil. It's so mild and I know, like I know what to expect and it's fine. But when I was doing AC, I remember being like, mm-hmm. almost like PTSD. Like I would be like super anxious. And then just knowing for a few days I was going to feel terrible and all the side effects that came with it. Yeah. How are you feeling otherwise? How's the hair? So the hair is the same. Um, so what they do with the Dignicap is they lower the temperature because I have, you know, a few like ball spots. So it's not as cold. That's nice that I have that option. But yeah, my hair is basically the same. I, I do see some like baby hairs growing in, which is a positive, but I think I will start seeing results after chemo is finished because it's not, you know, killing yeah. the hair cells. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you only have one more to go. That's so exciting. For some reason, like today, my fourth infusion was when I celebrated I literally celebrated because I felt like I was over the hump and I felt so close to the finishing line and I think also because my best friend was here I just felt happier with this fifth infusion like I was happy that everything went well um but I guess I'm just indifferent about it because (laughs) I don't know I like I'm excited that I have one more to go but um, my mindset is yeah. just, let's go. I want yeah. to end this. I um, want to finish this. I'm right there with you on that. Just get it done. Yeah. How have you been feeling with Taxol? I feel more like myself. That is good. Um, Like I took a nap for the first time yesterday, uh, just because I've been having some hot flashes. So like sleeping it's, and it's been like, we're getting a heat wave here. So it's just, it's been hot. Um. Yeah. So I haven't been sleeping well. So I didn't sleep well the night before. So that's I think the only reason for the nap. But like I haven't had to really slow down or like, you know, it wasn't like I was in bed for I'm like not I feel normal. Like completely there's like no side effects. At least like mm-hmm. that's good. My nails, my like th- my thumbnails have turned like a different color. And I'm starting to feel some neuropathy, which is starting to scare me a little mm-hmm. bit. But um because like I'm having such a hard time icing them. It's so uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable. I I just like honestly, I'm like I I, I do it for maybe like five minutes, and I'm like get them off. Like I'm like like yeah, like take them off my feet. Like I'm done. Like I can't. The head is enough, more than enough. 
Yep. I like keep them on for like five minutes and then take them off and then put it back on five minutes. And then 30 minutes in, that's when I just give up and say, okay, I think this is enough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you last 25 minutes longer than I do. I'm like, yeah. And I I feel bad because anybody that goes to chemo with me, like my dad came with me for the first time a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. yeah. He really just wants to like help me. And I was like, all right, you can come. Like they sent him the cold cap videos to help like, you know, like show him what it was and how it like goes on my head. And luckily, like I've had this one nurse the last like few times I've gone who's been like amazing and like helps get the cap on and everything. So he wasn't like stressed out. But mm-hmm. um, like I end up I take my anxiety meds because now I'm, I'm done because I um, didn't have any type of reaction to Daxel at all bad reaction I don't have to take steroids and I don't have to take um Benadryl Benadryl wow that is awesome that is awesome yeah I asked for the no steroids I feel better when I'm off them like I I mean like I love like I love being able to feel okay for those two days but all the other side effects that come with it are just not so that means that your infusion is faster my infusion is now, I, I think it shaves off about like an hour and a half compared to the AC. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You're, in, you're like, you know, in and out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I had like a little bit of a scare too, because it's been, yeah, we haven't like really caught up. It's been like a month. I to get a, I had a CAT scan. Right. I don't yeah. think I mentioned last time that I um, was blacking out after my AC treatments. Um, and it started off like where it was just, I, I chalked it up to like it, the cold cap being really cold. And then my, um, the Benadryl, you know, like all the pre-meds. And then I never remembered the ride mm-hmm. home. And then my fourth treatment, I had like major lapse of time where I have no recollection. Um, and like for, you know, a few days after it wasn't like that same day as I'm coming home from mm-hmm. chemo and just out of it. So they ordered a CAT scan because when you said MRI, mm-hmm. can't have an MRI because of the expanders. So I had to do a CAT scan, which, and that came back fine. They think it was just a reaction from the whole cap and the, the, the AC. So that's good. So, and then I had to, to get a, an echo done on Monday. What's an echo? An echocardiogram in my heart because I had to get, I had to do it before I started chemo because AC is like a really tough drug yep. um and uh it can like ruin your heart so they checked before to make sure that my heart would be able to handle chemo and then they check after to make sure it didn't get damaged so that was good mm-hmm. that's good that's good yeah you know lots of just a lot of going on <laughs> over here yeah I I would say like you know there there are some days that I'm totally fine like mentally but I think the past few days, I, I kind of got like emotional just out of the blue. It's hard because I think when when you texted me about seeing all these posts of people who have like stage four breast cancer, yeah. I think I kept seeing these posts just about like people having like a really hard time just you know, having an infection, um, radiation was so bad, you, you know, all those things that I kind of got like a little bit yeah. of an anxiety from it. So <laughs> I, 
Yeah, I, I had a really, yeah, I mean, I texted you. I had such a hard week that week and um, I cried a lot actually because I, like I said, I follow um, this girl in England who like is hilarious and has three kids and she's 31 and um, had a single mastectomy and, you know, thought she was in remission and it's in her bones now and it's um, it's in her spine and she's got a bunch of spots and, you know, these spots were on her scans like from when she went through it the first time and they just dismissed it they didn't you know like they didn't think it was anything so they never even mentioned it to her and now here she is and she's stage four we really wanted to like make sure that we were really authentic like she's crying like she's sitting there and being like you know it it was so hard I, I I can't and I like I love her stories and she makes funny TikToks and her hair is wild from going back from chemo and she's got one boob with like a prosthetic that she's constantly ripping out of her shirt and it's funny and she's really funny and then you get to see this whole other side of her where she now is like you know she's mentioned you know what they've told their kids and what you know how her husband's dealing it was I I I cried I cried to Matt about this. Well, and I've never met her. I've never spoken to her. I found her like early on in my journey, and I just like liked her vibe. And this poor woman, you know. And and then I'm like, how do I know that my chemo is working? How do I know that there's like not other shit going on? You know, like I had scans earlier this year. Like, is this working? Like, what? You know. And then I was like, what if I'm stage? Like, I had like a total. And it was like very. It's like all of my fears that are like very rational fears to have I guess throughout this journey but I was being irrational being like I mean yeah. it just escalated I think being in those type of groups it's it's helpful but I think there are times when I don't want to say toxic because I think that's the wrong word I think it could really put a strain in your mental health you know not everyone is going through the same exact journey as you and some people have it even worse than you do so it, I that part is just like so difficult for me to even comprehend everything you know that these women are going through all right so this story is about me so this is episode 3b kind of talks about just my plan my doctor's appointments and seeking second opinions so let's start with you know after I spoke with the head of radiology that day February 25th 2021 where he gave me the bad news that I have breast cancer So he gave me the nurse navigator's phone number to start scheduling appointments. And let me tell you, everything went by super fast. When I received the call that day that I had breast cancer, Anna, the nurse navigator, she set up an appointment the following Tuesday, March 2nd, to meet with Dr. Perrin, breast surgeon, and then also to do two different tests a mammogram and an MRI that day. Mind you, that is only five days in between from the 25th of February to March 2nd that I was able to process everything before shit got real. Like that's how fast these people work. 
And it's great. I feel like they are taking this matter seriously, but it's not good for someone who's being diagnosed with because this is a very shocking news Mm -hmm. and something that you can't process quickly. So it was just a roller coaster, but I didn't realize that you went for a mammogram after. So they just gave you the sonogram. That was it. They gave me, um, yes. They gave me the ultrasound. Ultrasound okay. biopsy. When I, I originally had for myself, it was, uh, you know, they wrote me the script, but they told me because it's a lump, they had to immediately do a mammogram. So that's the only reason why I was asking, like, if they had pushed you to, uh. to do it that like, I They wouldn't allow me to not have one that day. They wanted to do the mammogram to see whether the right breast was also affected too with the MRI they want to see you know if there's any satellite lesions in my left breast or right breast if Mm -hmm. there's any lymph nodes involved etc so that's kind of why they performed that test my first appointment was with Dr. Perrin and so I went into the room and she came in and she had two students with her and asked if they can come in, I kindly declined because I was already overwhelmed and I didn't want to have like two extra people that I didn't know and I didn't feel comfortable with in the room. That's so valid. Yeah. I want people who are listening to this, like know that they can make that choice because this is your appointment. If you don't want anyone else in that room, you have the right and the authority to do that. So Dr. Perrin And I, we talked about, you know, my diagnosis. So again, I am ER positive, PR positive, have invasive ductal carcinoma. And, um, and then at the time, we didn't know if I had any lymph nodes involved. As far as, you know, visitors go and everything like that, um, at the time, the University of Washington of Medicine, they were pretty strict in having visitors. So my boyfriend can only attend via phone. I think it's super important to have someone there with you, even if it's just by phone, because you may not catch everything that the doctor is saying, or your partner, friend, parents, siblings, etc. Whoever you're bringing into your appointments, they can ask questions that you may not have thought of. So my boyfriend, Brian, was a great, I would say, candidate to mm-hmm. bring to my appointments because he's a type of person that would ask questions. He asked a lot of questions, but he asked intelligent questions. So that's why I loved bringing him to my appointments. And I feel like he made things easier for me. We would talk about like what just happened. There are things that I didn't even catch yeah. that he caught. So, well, I, yeah, because I don't know if you like I black out during like those meetings. This is overload of information. You're not oh, yeah. really hearing what you want to hear. You know, you're not getting the news and the information you like want to hear. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I, I always like I have to leave and then be like, what just happened? And luckily, I was able to bring Matt for my appointments. But there are um, apps on your phone that actually record your doctor's appointments. My chart does that. Not my chart. It is. I hear it all the time. Um, on the breast, like the breasties. I will. Put, I'll go get the app. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. I would say another thing is that if you didn't catch anything, most doctors will, like, after you finish with your appointment in your my chart, mm-hmm. they would leave notes 
and like what they talk to you about. So I, I, I found that helpful as well. So like I went through and read their notes and if there were things that I didn't catch that they said, they would actually write it in there. So that's another useful thing. Yeah. Did you go in with like a list of questions from the internet like I did? No, I didn't. Because within yeah. those five days, I didn't look up anything. I didn't want to look up oh, anything. Right. This was just like a checklist of like what questions to ask your surgeon. Um, so Matt printed it out for nice. me. And I was like, thank God I had it. It was such a good check mark of being like making sure I covered and checked all the boxes. He had found it. I didn't know if that was like yeah. a big thing or not. I didn't, you know. I, I would say um, it, it's definitely smart to bring questions in. I I was doing that uh, when I realized I understood some of the information that was given to me later on. But when I first met with a doctor, um, I didn't do that. So I, I would advise people to do that. You want to ask the right questions because you're, you're already overwhelmed with everything that's going on with you. But so anyway, so Dr. Perrin explained to me like my surgery options. We talked about having yeah. a single lobectomy. So basically I'm able to keep some of my breast tissue, but just remove the tumor. Or she was talking about a mastectomy. And so in my mind that time, I was against having a mastectomy. I found that to be more intense surgery and then I needed to have drains and like, it's just this whole process that I, I didn't want. Like if I had the option to do a lobectomy, I'm going to take it. She also mentioned about having a genetic test. So that's just a way to understand if I have a mutation such as TB3, I believe that's what it's called, or like BRCA1 and 2. Because if I was positive for those mutations, then maybe I wanted to rethink about my surgery options, where a, a lot of people who are BRCA1 or 2 get the double vasectomy. Yeah, and a hysterectomy too. For that too, yes, right. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She briefly talked about hormonal therapy, she kind of mostly talked about tamoxifen, you know, that you take it for like 10 years and that scared the shit out of me. I thought my treatment would be done, you know, after surgery, if I didn't need to have after radiation, if I didn't need to have chemo. But when I heard about hormonal therapy, that was the first time that I heard about yeah. that. So I felt like at that moment, it was like never ending where I need to continue yeah. living the life of a cancer patient. She had a booklet. And so she was kind of like reading through the booklet. And so she stopped at chemotherapy. And she said that we're, we're not going to talk about this because they were there are no lymph nodes involved, you're, you know, stage one B. Um, so, you know, we weren't going to talk about it. And I was glad that she didn't want to talk to me about it because I didn't want to talk about it. I was very, very, very in denial about chemotherapy. I wanted to put my foot down if anyone ever told me that I need to have it or like very, very against it. Um, but look what happened now. <laughs>
Lastly, we discussed about me moving to Southern California sometime in March slash April, but wanting to have my surgery done here in Washington and then finish the rest of my treatment in Southern California. So after my appointment with Dr. Perrin, I trusted her and I believe she was a good doctor for me. She was the only Mm -hmm. breast surgeon doctor that I met and I felt great about her. But after her appointment, I had to go back to the UW Imaging Center. And then that's where I got my ultrasound and biopsy back in February. So this time around, I had to do a mammogram. Radiology assistant Mm -hmm. who's been through all of my appointments, the ultrasound, the biopsies, she was assisting me with my mammogram. So I was really ecstatic about that because I felt like you know she was going through this journey with me and she was nice I felt really comfortable with her so as Shauna mentioned in her previous story the mammogram process is uncomfortable very uncomfortable but in that process because I've seen this lady like all the time throughout my appointments I trusted her And so I kept telling myself that I was going to be all right. They just don't like tell you how uncomfortable it is. Like nobody. Yeah, they don't. It's true. And I I was thinking about this actually recently being like, I mean, the gynecologist is not the most pleasant experience too, but like nobody talks Mm -hmm. about that either. So I was kind of like, okay, Mm -hmm. but like, I I wish somebody had warned me because I just thought it was like, oh, I get getting some like pictures of my boobs. It wasn't like no, we're going to take that boob and then we're going to like twist it and turn it in 40 different directions and we're going to squeeze them over and over and over again. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't get this type of imaging. We have to do it, like switch her boob into this way. But yeah, they, they did both my breasts. Okay, yeah. I got both of mine done yeah. as well when I went, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after we were finished, um, I actually started crying it hit me right then and there that this was real and that I had breast cancer. I did ask her if I was her youngest patient thus far, Mm. and she told me yes. So that, like, crushed me. I was in denial in the sense of, like, why this young? Why am I getting breast cancer this young? Like, this is, you hear people having breast cancer at, you know, age 40 and above because that's when they say you need to have a mammogram that's what I've learned that's what I've learned about breast cancer and so I never heard any stories of people having breast cancer when they were young now you know being in this process and joining these Facebook groups I understand that it does happen and there were a lot of people who had breast cancer in their young 20s but just don't hear about them no a lot of women in their early 20s like a lot actually are in those groups those women who are now 40s 50s that are still in the group and and say that they had breast cancer in their young 20s and 30s yeah i Mm -hmm. i was astonished yeah like I, I didn't know about that, but yeah. So, um, that, that must've been super upsetting. Yeah. Cause we had talked about like being the youngest person in the waiting room and just feeling like you're don't belong here or infusion center as well. 
I see the looks I get. I don't know if you get the looks too. So I have to see my oncologist like every other week before I go, you know, and before I go, I go downstairs. That's where I get my blood drawn and I get my port. They, you know, they put my needle in, they leave the needle in the port and I go upstairs and then they start the infusion. So I have it like, you know, you could see it. It's in my chest and I have the thing. And I see these, I see women that look at me and you, you know, you know what they're yep. thinking. Like she's so young. Like, yeah, I get this too. It's mostly like the visitors. Sometimes patient is sitting and so they're sitting on the opposite direction, but the visitor could see you walking by. And so, yeah, I, I did get some looks. I started crying and I asked her if I was the youngest patient and she told me yes, but she informed me that she had someone in her family who was 30 and had breast cancer and she's a survivor now. So that really gave me hope and um, she hugged me as well. So I, I really love that because those are the moments where you need a stranger to just hug you. Like nice to have hugs from people that you know, but when it's come from a stranger, like I think that is 10 times better. But also it's like, it's very genuine, you know? Like, yeah. It's like, their first instinct is to like hug you and just say, you know, we'll figure it out. You're going to, you know, I hate that you're going to be okay thing. Cause it's like, you don't know that. So let's not say that, but like, you know, like you're going to get a plan and you're going to go through this and you're going to hopefully have a long, long, yep. healthy, happy life after this, you know? Later that evening, I went to get my MRI done. So when I went into the clinic, I didn't know the process of the MRI know that they take images were you face down yeah I was face down yeah I didn't like that I didn't like it was so uncomfortable and then you're like trying not to move because you're like if we move we gotta do it yeah over again so you're like I even breathing yeah. was weird and then it's yes. the loudest machine yeah it was like kind of scary it's <laughs> like and it's ground sound I feel like like you're in there and it's just like like it's just insane the 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 noises that come from this one machine did you had like headphones in where you can listen to music no he gave me earplugs okay like he gave me like the little earplugs to just put in so that the noise didn't like bother me yeah I also got like headphones like noise canceling but yeah I also got like earbuds where he asked me like what playlist on Spotify I wanted to listen to so that was nice. my radiologist that put my port in let me pick a playlist we'll have to talk we'll we'll have to discuss our playlists on another because nice. I feel like that would be I don't know like curious what yeah, yeah. other what's like people's like go-to is it a calming thing do you want to listen to like some real filthy hip-hop do you want to listen to, like what, what, are, what, are, what are people listening yeah. to yeah right <laughs> So when I went in to get an MRI, they explained to me that they had to inject a contrast media. It's just a chemical substance that they use in MRI scans. And when they inject it, you know, it just improves the quality of the MRI images. But I don't know why I had so much anxiety about this. I was very concerned. They're putting something in my body that I don't even know what it is. And here we go. Like this fucking breast cancer shit. My mind went everywhere. I just felt like people and doctors and everyone are going to start putting shit in my body that I don't even know what it is and that like I have to apply to because like what else am I going to do? 
So I freaked out. Definitely freaked out. But they they reassured me yeah. that it's going to wash away. Right. I drink a lot of water. Yeah. It's it's going to wash away within that day. So Yeah. I yeah, I have a lot of drug allergies. So that was I was I had never had an MRI with you know, let alone had to have one with contrast. So I had to make sure they had to like check to make sure that I was going to not have an allergic reaction yeah. in MRI. <laughs> yes. No, that that is actually really smart to ask especially if you have an allergic reaction to it because that's the last thing you want when you're like laying in there still face down face yeah, down face you're down. only having a hard time breathing yeah 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 and like I don't remember how long it was but I think it was like 45 to an hour is the MRI I'm not sure but I, I just felt like Sometimes it was, it was long. like 20 25 minutes oh was it okay So the next day, Wednesday, March 3rd, Dr. Perrin called me with the results of the MRI. So that was really fast. And she explained to me that I have satellite lesion, cancer cells all around my breast tissue, but the main tumor looked slightly bigger compared to my biomarkers. So there were no lymph nodes involved. So that was a win. And I was super excited. I was like, okay, great. Like that's the least of my worries. Okay. That the tumor is a little bit big, but she says that she can still do the lumpectomy. And so we set a surgery date for March 12th. On March 4th and 5th, I did a consultation with medical oncologists and radiation oncologists to get a sense of what I should expect for my treatment, knowing that they won't be my doctors um, because my plan was to move to Southern California. And my experience with medical oncologists was the worst experience that I've ever had (laughs) in the sense that she came in with a huge concern on her face. She came in, was asking me if I was okay. And then like every time she was explaining the process, she would stop and she would ask me if I was okay. So that just put me into a mood where like I was fine. When I walked into, you know, the appointment, I was fine. I like... I wasn't crying, but she made me fucking cry. That just made me feel 10 times worse. Really? Yeah, I didn't like it I mean, at all. I feel like every time I went, like first time I met my oncologist, like obviously you're getting upset. I went from the breast surgeon to the oncologist because they're in an office, like literally next door to each other on the same floor. And, you know, so she had caught me and I had already been crying from whatever else. And, you know, so I think she thought I was just like this super fragile, I was going to crack at any moment, mm-hmm. you know, because like, it was like two or three times that I met her that I had come in from some from my, you know, getting news or this or that. And like, so she was, you know, very comforting and like held my hand and like, I don't know. And I felt like, I I, I don't know, I felt like she was just so gentle. And I think I like needed that. But then like, when it came down for me wanting to be like a little bit more aggressive, like I want to know everything. I want like the good, the bad, the, you know, like she wasn't that person for me, you know, like that's when I started to have a hard time with her. Yeah. But I get it though. Also too, like I mentioned that with um, when I met my breast surgeon, like she wasn't the warmest person, but I didn't need her to be that person. For me. I didn't want, and I think, I think I was being very particular 
I didn't want my medical oncologist to be the one who was empathetic. I already had my breast surgeon who was empathetic. And so the way that I look at it, and this is just my opinion, is I 100% have trust in the breast surgeon because they are the ones that are going to remove the tumor. That is the safest way to remove something out of your body that's causing harm. And so that's why, in my mind, the breast surgeon should be empathetic because, like, I'm trusting them with all right. with my body to go in, open me up, take out the tumor, and then tell me that I have zero positive margins after the fucking surgery. With the medical oncologists, you know, when the breast surgeon was talking about like the hormonal therapy, chemotherapy, whatever, I think I already had like a negative idea of who a medical oncologist is. And so like, to me, (laughs) no, this is going to sound bad. Like I, I hated them. I hated them because again, I'm the type of person that I, Right. like to know exactly yeah what they're trying to put in my body and I hate that you're here I hate you I hated that to, you were there I hated that yes I hated that was there and that was I mean that's really what yeah. it comes down to like it was nothing personal against them it was just like you don't want to do like you shouldn't be here so when she was being pathetic and like maybe cry whatever no I hated that so <laughs> Um, even my boyfriend was there and he didn't, he thought that that was a bad experience. Mm -hmm. What else? Yeah. So then I met with the radiation oncologist on the fifth and she was very formal and explained to me the step-by-step and that I felt comfortable with the information that she was providing me. So here comes the not so expected phone call on March 5th. It was in the evening. 6, 7 p.m., Dr. Perrin called me and she notified me that they did a second reading of my MRI. Mind you, I didn't even know that was even possible that you have a second reading. Like someone else reads your MRI. I thought it just goes to one person and then like the supervisor and everything looks good, then right. that's the result. But no, that's not the case. Another person read through yeah. it and she told me that there were lip nodes involved. My life was in shambles. That was having that phone call that you had breast cancer is like the worst. But the second worst is when they tell you something one day and then the next few days they tell you something else that completely that is no longer in your control anymore and now you have to face with this reality that um your cancer cells can be somewhere else it can i know go into your bones your organs your liver like you know all those things so i was freaking out my mri showed nothing nothing you know yeah uh they've been they but she you know what in in my surgeon had said they could be so that's why when they go in for a mastectomy, lumpectomy, they take your lymph nodes, they test them because they take a few. Um, they test them because there can be microscopic 
little speck of it and it can't like it, you know where like these machines can't see it yeah I mean that's what our plan was anyways with the surgery is that she was going to take a few just in case but I was definitely shocked with that news I texted my boss that evening and I told her I received really bad news and I need to take a week off from work. I needed to take a week off from work in order to process everything. And then in order to get all of my appointments done that week, because I wanted to, you know, do things quickly because that following week, that 12th was supposed to be my surgery date. So Dr. Perrin wanted me to schedule another ultrasound on March 9th, just around my lymph nodes area, just to get a Mm -hmm. closer look into, you know, if they see anything that's affected. So coming to March 9th, they did the ultrasound, but they surprised me with the biopsy. So they were like, okay, we see something abnormal in in your ultrasound, so we need to do a biopsy today. And I hate biopsies. (laughs) I thought it was going to be so much worse than what it was. I was, like, pleasantly surprised. I mean, I guess, like, in the grand scheme of everything that's gone on the last eight months, like, you know, like, I, I don't know, that was so minor, I think. So now maybe I'm just, like, Oh, it wasn't that bad. I think at the time I was like shitting bricks, but like it definitely. I mean, yes, I do agree with you that you don't really feel anything. And if you do a slight bit, you just tell them like, give me more of like the anesthesia. The noise is the worst, I think. Yes, the noise is the worst. thing it does. That's definitely the worst. Yeah, yeah. The boob area is very sensitive parts and... I think that's why I also didn't like the biopsy because they're like touching it and like, you know, your boobs could hurt sometimes and like even your armpit area too. that. I feel like that's a very sensitive area. So I think that's why I didn't really like biopsies because of that. Yeah, I I cried (laughs) during that biopsy because it was a shocker and I was like this fucking shit again. Like I I I thought I was done with a biopsy, but. Yeah, I thought we knew everything right. that was going yes, on. Right, yes, but there was just still more unknowns, and it's just driving me fucking insane. So um, afterwards, actually, uh, my boyfriend, Brian, and I, we got Chick-fil-A, so that definitely was nice, because I really like Chick-fil-A. Matt and I would hit it, um, Shake Shack and get milkshakes after every <gasps> appointment. I love Shake Shack we I mean I like their strawberry I'm like not a big fan of the strawberry ice cream in general but their strawberry milkshakes are unbelievable I need to try them and do it highly recommend and um I like the strawberry I like strawberry way better than I like the chocolate normally that's like the go-to for me but that ended up being like it got to the point where like anytime we got bad news or then then it was like every time we were like going to appointments we were like we have to stop like (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like we we need to, we need to like, rain it in here. Something. Yeah, <laughs> we need to get food yeah. <laughs> that we enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the first biopsy that I had, uh, Brian and I went to go get ramen. Ramen is like our favorite food, essentially. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I would advise anyone who, like, after appointments, just treat yourself to something that you love. Oh, yeah. Whether that's food shake or shack. something else. <laughs> yeah, Shake Shack. Um, the next day Dr. Perrin called me saying that the lymph nodes were positive I think they took three samples and three of them were positive so they wanted to get me a CT scan and a bone scan so they actually got one for me I think on the 11th or the 12th um, on the same day I got the CT scan, that one, like they inject something and like all of a sudden you feel like hot. Oh, like you're like, I grabbed my, sorry, this is TMI. I grabbed my crotch to make sure that I didn't pee my pants. I wanted to <laughs> grab my crotch because it, it felt that way. I just way. wanted to it make really sure that like, something wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very uncomfortable feeling, but I'm glad it didn't last that long. Well, did, they, did they tell you you were going to feel like warmth? When I got on top of the machine, that's when she warned me. <laughs> she warned me too. She says your your lower half is just going to feel warm, but she didn't. Like, I literally thought I peed myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yes. And then after that, then I got the bone scan and the bone scan was actually like pretty easy. It wasn't uncomfortable. Um, They took like a few images and, and I think it only took 15 to 20 minutes. So I got the results, I think the next day. So bone scanned looks great. They didn't see anything suspicious. This, the CT scan, you know, they saw the lymph nodes involved and then of course they saw like the tumor and the satellite lesion on my left breast but no like organs or anything were affected so hallelujah to that thank god yeah that was a win out of everything that could possibly happen i would say that is a fucking win yeah yeah the 10th and 11th when i got the news of like the lymph node involvement and everything like that um, lipectomy wasn't a choice anymore. And so I told her, okay, fine, let's do like a mastectomy. And then she was like, okay, let me call some plastic surgeons and see if they could do reconstruction on Friday. Mind you, all of that is so quick. And I wouldn't have met the plastic surgeon. I, I don't remember what happened, but we canceled the surgery. And I'm happy that I did because I think it's important to meet your plastic surgeon. (laughs) It's very important to meet your plastic surgeon. I just felt like I needed one, to seek a second opinion and two, maybe like don't rush into things because it's, again, my tumor is slow growing and it's not that it's like super aggressive that I'm going to die in, you know, the next few weeks or a month. Still had time. 
to, you know, wrap my brain around and have a plan. I booked a flight to Los Angeles on March 15th. And so I stayed there from the 15th through the 17th. On Tuesday, the 16th, that's when I met doctors at UCLA and then doctors at Cedar sinai So I saw two different clinics and then I wanted to make up my mind the following week. Someone from UW Medicine actually referred me to Dr. Baker. I met with Dr. Baker, really loved her. She is very knowledgeable. And I felt like I could trust her. She definitely told me I needed to do a mastectomy. (laughs) For me, it was like, okay, this is my choice. And I think she's correct. The tumor in the scans looked too big. And there were like satellite lesions. And we want to be cautious. So I, I understood why she mentioned that. And I really liked, you know, her whole entire plan. So I felt comfortable with her, but I wanted to meet with one other doctor at Cedar sinai you know, just to see if like what they say is different. But before I go there, Dr. Baker was smart enough to also include the medical oncologist so I can also see her. I saw Dr. Master and, you know, we talked about treatments and putting shit in my body and... <laughs> You know, all of that. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, I was like, okay, this woman is smart and she knows what she's talking about. And she recommended that we don't do chemo first because she doesn't believe that the chemo is going to shrink an estrogen and progesterone positive tumor. I was on board with that plan. She mentioned that like chemo could be or could not be in the cards. It showed in my scans that there were four lymph nodes involved. So... You know, it just depends on the surgery and how many actually were positive. I met with someone at Cedar sinai Dr. Chung, and she was so nice and, and so kind. But when I was in the waiting room, I waited a really long time. Like when I went to UCLA, I didn't have to wait that long. I waited. I didn't. I don't even think I sat down before I got called in for my appointment. Like they were like. Yeah. Uh, at NYU. Amazing. And then I saw the doctor, at, you know, from my story from, from the last episode, like I saw the doctor who was amazing. I actually loved her. I wish that she would have been at NYU because I would have picked her as my surgeon. Um, but I, I couldn't, I, it was an hour and a half yeah. wait, you know, I'm in a gown. It's, it's end of January now. It was cold. I was like, I, I just want to get out of here. Like, this isn't something I want to like be waiting, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I waited so long. And then this person comes in. I didn't even know who she was. Uh, I don't remember where her name tag was, but she was kind of explained to me what she was seeing in the scans. She wasn't a doctor. (laughs) That's what I know. I think she's like one of the nurses. And so she kind of butchered a lot of things. I didn't like that like she was the one who came into my room first and explained to me like all of this. It, it should have been the doctor first. So finally the doctor comes in explaining to me all this. We were asking questions and I really liked her. I basically asked her, hey, can you recommend me a medical oncologist? I would like to speak to one too. Yeah. The next day I met with Dr. Mita and so she is the medical oncologist that had a different plan than UCLA. Essentially, Dr. Mita wanted to do chemo first. 
she mentioned that she had some patients who were ER and PR positive that were able to shrink their tumor. And so all the other doctors that I've met didn't mention that. They were saying, you know, that it doesn't really shrink her tumor. And if chemo was ever in the cards, it would be after surgery. And so I was really skeptical. Mm-hmm. Like she, she was knowledgeable. Like I know that. And she has many years of experience. But I didn't want to be let down where if I chose her to be my doctor and I, I had to do chemo and the chemo didn't shrink, then I felt like I was wasting my time. Because my number one thing that I wanted to do was to take the tumor out. Right. Yeah, I'm uh, talking. I met a girl in my nanny group on uh, Facebook who's going through the same thing we are. And she's, you know, she's early in the process, but they recommend they're, she's doing surgery after. And she's ERPR positive for two negative. And I, I, I had asked, I was like, you know, that's very odd because, you know, for like what you said, ERPR, like it won't, our tumors don't shrink. Chemo doesn't make them shrink. She's like, well, they want to make sure the chemo is working first. And I was kind of like. That's what she mentioned. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like I was kind of like, oh, I, I I don't know. I just almost feel like, is it, is it a risk to keep your, keep it in there too? Mm-hmm. Like if they, like imagine not getting that surgery, going through half your rounds of chemo to find out that now it's spread. Like I would be like, yeah, like you said, like get this fucking thing out of me. Yes, exactly why I was terrified. And so I actually emailed her and asked her, do you have any studies that can prove your case about doing chemo first? There was like one study. The sample was small, though, from what I was reading. I didn't have a good feeling about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah go with your gut. I, I really had to go with my gut. But after meeting with both doctors at UCLA and Cedar sinai I essentially contacted Dr. Baker's nurse practitioner. Can Dr. Baker talk today? Um, I just needed to ask her like a few questions. And so Dr. Baker called me and Brian was also on the phone. And we were just confused about what doctors were saying at Cedar versus like what she was saying. I was overwhelmed with all the information and I kind of wanted to hear like Dr. Baker's plan again um, because I felt like I was mixing information from UCLA and Cedar. So that I feel like, you know, when you're thinking more than one opinion, I, I think that could happen for sure. Basically, we talked it out and I felt confident in Dr. Baker and, you know, like, each time I spoke to her, I felt more and more comfortable. And she also, which Dr. Perrin at UW didn't do, Dr. Baker wanted to take a punch biopsy on my skin because she wanted to know whether that oh, yeah. little bump was cancerous or not. So I went back and saw her on Wednesday. We performed it and everything like that. And on Friday, she called me and told me that it was cancer. But luckily, it was the same type of cancer that I had in my tumor and in my lymph nodes. Because she wanted to make sure that it wasn't... Like it wasn't like a skin cancer or something yeah. else going yes. on. 
or like, you know, it wasn't a different type of breast cancer. Like inflammatory where you can, yeah, get like, yeah, it could be, it could get, get messy. Yes, exactly. I wanted to speak to the plastic surgeons now. So I spoke to someone at UCLA. My first reaction when I saw her was, wow, she's young. She's young. You know, she could be like in her early 30s, you know, you know, not to undermine, you know, her intelligence and what she can do. I didn't know how much experience she had with like doing reconstruction for people who had breast cancer. We had a conversation of like whether to have the implant under the muscle or above the muscle, which like, again, didn't know there was these options. She was talking to me about like transferring tissues, like we were talking about like deep flap or taking tissue from your inner thighs or even like your lower back. And so she was kind of giving me all of that, but then also telling me about, you know, I can get an infection and all the cons to some of the procedures. I liked her. I just wasn't sure about her. So I saw two other plastic surgeons at Cedar because I still haven't made up my mind whether I wanted to go to UCLA or Cedar. These other folks were talking about like fat grafting. They were talking about, you know, we should do it above the muscle where Dr. Slack was saying we should do it under the muscle. Of course, like the more opinions you get, like the more confused you'll get. (laughs) I don't know why I do this to myself. No, because it was the right thing to do. Like getting both, I mean, getting second opinions is the right thing to do. It makes you stand by your choice even more. Like once it's made, yeah. Like I, I mean, I'm in love with the hospital I chose, my cancer center. Every nurse, every like doctor. I mean, the like the phlebotomist that does my poor thing now. Like chat with her every Monday. You know what I'm saying? Like I like I love everything about it. That it just makes you stand by your choice, you know? I was in contact with Jackie, the nurse practitioner at Dr. Baker's office. And I was like, is there another female plastic surgeon that does like reconstruction for breast cancer patients? And she said Dr. Slack was the only one. So I was shocked actually about that. But finally made the decision to choose UCLA was two things. I trusted Dr. Baker, like 100% trusted her in her plan. I thought she was empathetic. I thought she answered all of my questions. She really took the time to sit there and explain everything to me, which I really liked. Um you know, she chose Dr. Master as the medical oncologist. So I, you know, right off the bat, I was like, okay, if she thinks Dr. Master is a good choice, then I'm going to trust that. Not saying at at the time, I, not that I didn't like Dr. Master, I didn't like the idea of a medical oncologist. So, and then Dr. Slack, um, you know, I thought she was kind. And I think I met her like five more times just so I can understand what her plan was, like all the questions that, you know, I've gathered just from reading her notes on my charts from, 
meeting with other plastic surgeons at Cedars. And then finally, because of Jackie, the nurse practitioner, where I can text her, I can email her. And she is so fast in responding and booking appointments that it was so easy to just get in, in touch with her. It was so easy. Then Cedar Sinai. I felt like I had a hard time like booking anything there. Nurse coordinators are the actual angels in 100%. this process. You're picking a clinic. You also need to see like their process of how they handle appointments, how you can easily reach people because, you know, that's important. Right. Is the medical app like yeah, easy to use and, you know, kind of yeah. navigate that. Um, also, too, like picking a hospital, are you going to have to be running to different doctors in different locations at all times? Like, you know, like that was the one thing for me. It was like everything was in my one center. You know, I have blood work on this floor. I see my oncologist and my, bre- my breast surgeon on the third floor. Uh, fourth floor is imaging. You know, like everything is in the same building. I My plastic surgeon is down the block, but that's in yeah, another NYU yeah. like building. But um, like I'm telling you, I don't have to ever like be running around going from my doctor's office then to an infusion center to then, you know, like it's just yeah. I go upstairs and that's it. Uh, and that was super important Washington for me. Of medicine. The place was 30 minutes. So like each time I had an appointment, like I had to drive 30 minutes over there. Like, I don't know. For me, that wasn't ideal. But at UCLA, everything is like 10 to 15 minutes. UW just felt like a trip to get there. And I'm so glad that I decided to seek a second opinion and choosing UCLA. I don't have complaints about UCLA. You know, I met with Dr. Baker one last time. And so our plan was to do a single mastectomy. And she notified me that the satellite lesion was close to my nipple. She highly recommended that I remove the nipple and the areola. And so that was a shock to me. And I cried (laughs) that day. Yes, another blow. It was another blow. Another thing that I need to be mentally prepared about. I'm not going to have any breast tissue on my left breast. Now I won't have any nipple or areola. And so how am I going to look at myself in the mirror is what I asked myself. But she was certain that we needed to take that out. So I trusted her gut. Will you do the um, nipple reconstruction, you think? As of now, Have you thought no. about it? Now seeing my breast, um, I actually don't mind not having a nipple. I don't yeah. mind it at all, to be honest with you. I never ever, I don't, I never wear a bra. Yeah. I never have to. It's amazing. That was like, honestly one of like the pluses of this. I never have to wear ever again. That's yeah, my goal yeah. too. This is like once I get my, you know, my reconstruction yeah. like finished. Like, right. We're never, we're never wearing one again. Never gonna happen. They're like torture now. I put like a wearing like a bathing suit top the other day. I was like, 
like uncomfortable in this. It was like, you know, a strapless one. Okay, I like want to just take this off. I'm like not into this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the last thing I want to say is, um, you know, I, I respect everyone's choice, whether they want to do a double mastectomy or a single mastectomy, but I chose a single mastectomy because again, as I mentioned, the surgery was really intense. I had no idea how I was going to recover, um, whether it was going to be bad, whether I'm going to get an infection. How about when I'm sleeping? Is it going to be uncomfortable? And it was uncomfortable <laughs> on that one side. <laughs> I yeah. I know, I know, and I had yeah. I mean, I'm both. I mean, yes, um, I and I'm a side sleeper, so that was hard. That was like really hard. Eight weeks of trying to figure out how to and like also, lay you know, correctly. You, you want to think about: Do you want to breastfeed? If if you ever want to have kids and and a family, that's another thing to think about. I don't know. Like for right now, at least, I'm fine having one fake boob. That is my whole story about my plan and seeking the second opinion. And really, like, I even forgot to mention, like, I I moved. Like, after I met with people at UCLA, like, I moved the week after. <laughs> I can't even imagine, like, moving and then <laughs> dealing with this. Like, you that... I mean, you're a superstar because I would have been a disaster. It it was another thing to keep my mind occupied and something to look forward to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. Hope everyone enjoyed, you know, Shauna's story, mine's story. And we're going to talk about, you know, our recovery from surgery next episode. So stay tuned. Thank you all for listening to our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us, and we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer. Ladies, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram at tyftspodcast. Our email is tyftspodcast at gmail.com. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes.